This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. Today, you're listening to episode 71, and my guest is Tessa Stuckey. Tessa is a licensed therapist working with teens and parents of teens, and she is a returning guest on this show. She was episode 32 of this podcast, where we talked about cultural influences impacting our teens. Today, she comes back, and we talk about coping skills. We talk about when our kids lie, when they cheat, how to handle those things. Tessa has a great system that she uses for her family that she's going to share about when lying pops up. And we also just have some really casual conversation at the beginning of the episode. I really love talking with Tessa and she's got a good thing going on. She is helping so many people both in her practice as a therapist, but also with her Instagram community. This mom is working full-time as a therapist and also cultivating a great community on Instagram where she is sharing helpful information that's not too overwhelming. She's very relatable. She has four kids of her own and she comes at all this with a simple, thoughtful approach. She's one of my favorite follows. She is the mom therapist on Instagram if you want to check her out. All right, friends, if you love this podcast or kind of like it a little bit, uh, leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening so new listeners can find us. My hope is that this podcast brings a sense of community and support in the lives of people who are walking through parenthood or supporting someone who's doing that as well. And more than anything, I just hope people feel support. No perfection, just support, encouragement, and hopefully some helpful takeaways that you can apply to your everyday life. I was thinking about it a lot in this conversation with Tessa, though, and there's just so much information out on the internet, Um, so many books that you can read about parenting. So first of all, thank you for letting this be one of the places you come to. But second of all, um, one of the things that really resonated with me in this conversation with Tessa is that when you figure out what's most important for you and your family, uh, you can lean into that. And if you need to shut off all the other noise, shut it off, unfollow, unsubscribe, whatever you need to do. Uh, I, I in no way, shape or form ever want this podcast to feel like, oh, I should be doing this or that, or that you feel pressure to do things a certain way because there's no one certain way. And like even the best advice that works for 75% of families might not work for your family. So if it's something that you hear on this podcast or any book you read doesn't work, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I just, ah, sometimes it's overwhelming and I don't know if that resonates with all of you. I, one of the things that, you know, my mom often says to me is things were simpler when I was raising you. You just did what you did. You did what you had to do. And and though there's something beautiful about that, I'm grateful for all the resources we have. I just don't want them to run my life. You know what I mean? Because I think ultimately our instincts will guide us best because we are, in fact, the best parents for our own kids. So um, take that with you today. And also, maybe you'll learn a little something from Tessa as well. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Tessa. 
All right. Well, today we have a returning guest on the podcast, Tessa Stuckey. Welcome back to the show, Tessa. Hi. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you back on the show. You have gone brunette since we last chatted. You were blonde and now you're brunette. It's actually red. You just can't tell in this lighting, but it is like very fiery red right now. Is this your, what's your natural? I don't know. I am one of those people. I, so my senior year of high school, I worked at a salon and I would get all the things done for free and all the girls would like try all different colors on my hair. And I loved it so much. And I like, I think I developed that as like a coping skill. Like whenever <laughs> I'm in a funk, I just change my hair. And so like, yeah, if you know me longer than a year, you're going to see all different sorts of colors. I get really bored with a color for, a, you know, after a while and then I change it up. So. Um, I, I am like a, a dark or a dark blonde or like a light yeah. brown, you would say. And yeah. it's so expensive, but I can't go back. I'm just like, I, I want to be blonde. I feel like when I look at pictures, I like my face yeah. better when I'm blonde. Yeah. I really struggle between blonde and red. Uh-huh. So I haven't been true brunette probably. Oh my gosh. I don't remember probably 10 years ago. So the last, 10 years. I'm either blonde with like funky colors in there. Like I'll do green or blue or purple or red or whatever, or I'm like fire red. So <laughs> I, I can't make up my mind, but yeah, I look back at pictures too. And I'm like, Ooh, I like the way my skin tone uh -huh. with that. And that's the answer to why I'm unhappy with how I look right now. So I need to go back to the blonde <laughs> or I need to go back red. So <laughs> you're the fun mom. Yeah, I try to be, right? <laughs> um, well, Tessa is a licensed counselor. She works with kids and their parents. And the first time you came on the show, we talked a lot about social media and, you know, the dangers of that and how we can try to have healthy relationships. I think one of my biggest takeaways and what I wanted to know from that episode was the age you yes. would let your kids have social media. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure you're asked that a lot. And so we'll just tell the listeners to go back and listen. But the age that you did give us at that time was 16. And I still stand with that. So like I, people, that is the question that I hear a lot. And every time I go present to schools and churches, I get asked that. Um, and so the last time I presented, I said, you know, I've changed my mind a bit about social media here and there. And there may have been, in the past where I'm like, well, ninth grade seems to be okay. But no, now I'm on the whole 16 and older train. Um, I've just seen too many, too many problems younger than 16 and 16 tends to be a, an emotional mature -er age. Um, but not to say that every 16 year old should have it either. So it's, you know, social media is not going away. So I do think that as parents, it is our job to allow them to have it at some point, but leading up to it, like having a lot of conversations and discussions and all that jazz, which, um, yeah, I could go on and on about, but, um, 16 seems to be an okay age to start that 
experience. Well, I like that too. I mean, it's similar to driving. I think about, yeah. I think about it a lot with driving. Cause I'm always like, why in the heck do we let kids drive when they're 16? Like right. ain't no way right. I was responsible enough to be driving no, at 16. No, 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 no. But we leave the house normally when we're 18. So yes. it's that like you're getting to practice while you're still under my roof but, type of thing. Exactly. And I've seen so many kids who go off to college and just get so highly addicted to social media or screens in general, and they just really suffer. So I, right now, I stand with 16 that it's my plan with my kids. It might change. My oldest is 10 and a half. So I don't know yet what's going to be best for our family. But with everything I see at work, working with teenagers and experience with some of the older, you know, college kids, I'm comfortable with 16. Let's talk about that for a minute, like changing our minds, because I feel like we as parents are like, I said this, I'm sticking to Mm -hmm. this. And Mm -hmm. we have to give ourselves grace to change our minds. I mean, the things I did with my first child. (laughs) No, I, I really, you know, I think we're doing the best we can with the knowledge and the situation that we're given or that we know, right? So we really do try to accommodate depending on what we're going through, what our family is going through and, and what we know and what are, you know, is important to us, but that can easily change like easily within six months. So you really have to look at it, each kid individually, each family individually and case by case situations. I'm trying to think of things I've changed my mind on. There was like a whole year where we banned Target from our family. Like I, oh, <laughs> I was I able to go. Never. Well, I mean, oh, I man. went. My husband yeah. went, but our uh-huh. kids were banned. Okay, why? They were just, they acted so out of control in Target. I mean, it was just running like it's a carnival, always asking for things, complaining if they don't get something from the dollar section. And we are just like, we don't do Target anymore. Oh, man. And I mean, I, but don't get me wrong. Yeah. I went. went to Target. (laughs) <laughs> but the kids were banned. And yeah. so anyway, that's just like one thing that we were like, okay, we're back to Target now. You yeah. know, like we've changed our minds. And um, yeah, that constant, like, I think for me, it's so hard is when you go to a store or something and your kids like mm-hmm. ask for things constantly and want things and yeah. think they deserve all these things. And I'm like, yeah. how am I raising children that think yeah. that they get a toy every time we go to Target? Yeah. And like part of that was my fault too. Cause like every time we would go to Target, like that was like the thing that would get me through is like, if you're a good boy during this trip, then we'll stop at the dollar section and you'll get a prize, you know? And so then that became the expectation every single time we went to the store. But now, well, for a few years now, um, but especially even more so now, I always just respond with, Um, and I have a funny story with it, but I respond with, you know what? I didn't bring any money for that. I only brought money Mm. for what's on the list. So I didn't bring enough money for that. And one time I said that my son was probably four and he was like, we have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Like so loud in the store. And I was like, we don't have money for Pokemon cards. Yeah. You know, like that's what I'm trying to say. We came here for important things. And then they call me out. Cause I'm like, Ooh, but what about those towels? Yeah, you know, yeah. or, Ooh, I think we need a new hand soap dispenser. And they're like, mom, you only brought money for what you, what's on the list. I'm like, dang it. You're right. You know? So, um, but that's, 
kind of where we're at right now because that happens to us too every time we go. They've chilled out now. Like they don't expect a toy every time now. But Target is just for me such a wonderful place. <laughs> I've been I'm not kidding you guys. I've been twice today. <laughs> today. <laughs> because yesterday um my son I came home it. and he was like, It's my it's Miss Maritella's birthday. And I was like, Oh, yeah. we should get her a gift card. So yeah. Our kids don't go to school till 9 a.m., which feel, it's late, right? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Like, and we live a half a mile and they ride their bikes. So, yeah. like, it's they leave that school starts at 915. They leave the house at nine. So oh I, I was like, what time does Target open? Everybody's driving me crazy. And I'm like, I got to go get that gift card. So mm-hmm. I went at eight fully knowing that after I dropped everybody off at school, I needed to go back because we needed like hand soap and paper towels yeah. and yeah. tons of groceries. So right. yeah, I've it's one o'clock and I've been twice today. <laughs> I just love Target. And it's so funny because like when I was like had all the kids were younger, you know, they I had four kids under four. So like that was my escape was to stroll through Target, get them like a juice box and just dream about the things I wanted to have in my house and like <laughs> maybe get a candle, you know, and then like my kids would call, <laughs> you know, I'd sit down to budget with my husband. He'd be like, you've got to stop going to Target. And I'm like, you're right. I do. And then like every time we'd like drive by Target, my kids would be like, mommy, do we need any groceries? Cause there's the grocery store. <laughs> you know, my husband would be like, that's not the grocery store, you guys. But Target <laughs> like, has made it that way. I mean, it yeah, it has everything. Uh, my husband read like out how much money we spent at Target last year. And uh-huh. I was like, can I get that itemized though? Because I right. do buy a lot of groceries at Target. And I go for like supplies for work, yeah. right? Like yeah. I'll go for- Look at us I, justifying. I know. We're, <laughs> I could do this all day too. Like I love Target and I- and I just love being like, okay, I need to get this, this, this. Oh, I forgot we need paper plates. They have that here. And then it would be nice to have a new candle in the house. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just see if they have any cute shirts right now. It's, you know? It's a it's, literally this that I'm wearing right now is a last impulsive last minute purchase. It's from I think the pajama section, but it's like a cute little, very soft sweatshirt. And I love it. And I it When every- I walked in today, I said, as I walked into Target, I said, you do not need to go to the pajama or workout right. aisle. Like right. there's this tie-dye sweatshirt that's that, I don't know what the brand is, but it's like super soft that I have been eyeing for like five months. I'm like, you yeah. do not need that sweatshirt, Lindsay. Right. It's a, yeah. Am I like, if my husband catches me on the phone when I'm walking into Target, he's like, needs Tessa, only needs, no wants. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. So maybe that's what our kids feel like with Target too. Yeah. So I try to do them. them. I try, I try to, and that's the other thing. And what I've been, you know, learning so much in the past couple of years is like, they're humans too. They just don't have control over right. the money. Right. And like, yeah, we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about a few things today uh, in the counselor world. Yeah. I think the first thing, the first topic that is standing out to me that is happening in our family, which I'm assuming if people have kids similar ages as mine, it's probably happening in some of their families too, is um, lying mm-hmm. and cheating. Mm-hmm. And you just did a podcast episode. If you guys, Tessa's podcast is called For the Sake of Our Youth. It's really good. She also has a book called For the Sake of Our Youth. So go check that out. She goes into detail on specific topics over there. But um, I have one kid in particular who 
He's seven, and I don't know if it's because he plays with the big kids a lot. Like, he ages up and plays with my mm. older son, who's nine's friends. But yeah. he's cheating all the time and then lying about cheating. And um, we were just on a trip, and my husband – okay, so the kids went to the zoo one day with my mom and my aunt. And so then the next day, it's raining, and we're and they want to go to a trampoline park. And we're like, no, we just spent $100 at the zoo. We're not going to do the trampoline park today. Yeah. Like you don't just get to do all the things. Right. And so everybody's losing their minds. There's six of us in the hotel room. So my husband goes to Walgreens and he buys like Old Maid, War, like a four pack oh, of like fun. Go yeah. Fish. All the card games. All the card games. Well, all the fighting because uh-huh. seven-year-old cheats. And nine-year-old's like, I'm not having that. And it's like, literally, we can't play games because of this. Yeah. Yeah. How do I address the cheating? Cheating is really hard because you're right. Like, it falls in the lying category, right? Um, And I like to look at, like, what are the intentions? Like, why is he cheating? Not so much to win, but is it to feel, like, a little bit more important than the other son for a little bit? Or is it to um, get a little bit of attention in a certain way. Right. Or what would another reason for a kid cheating, I guess, to win, right. So that they can like brag about it or whatever. There's something missing within him. Like there's some sort of hurt that he's trying to fill. And in his little seven-year-old brain, like he thinks he can get away with it. There's like that sneakiness. He reminds me of my eight-year-old and it's like, I want what I want and I'm going to do what it takes to get it, you know, that kind of mindset. And so I think the biggest thing, and I say this in my podcast episode, the biggest thing for parents to know is that it really is a natural behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not some, like there are not kids that lie and kids that don't lie. Every kid has lied. Every single kid has lied and they will lie in the future. And even adults, like, what is a lie, right? Like, where is that boundary? Like if, if someone tells me they think my hair looks good, but they actually don't like that I went red, like (laughs) that's a lie technically. Right. Um, but there's like different intentions behind it. Like there's not malice Mm -hmm. with telling me that they like my hair red. It's just kind of dodging, hurting my feelings or being rude. So I don't want to say that everybody lies and it's totally okay. But at the same time, like it's a natural behavior to some sort of intention. And typically that intention is some form of hurt. So like when our kids get caught with something and they say, no, I didn't do that. Or no, he did it first. Um, what is that intention? Right. That's like the fear of getting in trouble and getting punished or the fear of mom thinking I'm a horrible person Right. Um, And like trying to uphold the rules, but like having a hard time. And our kids, because their prefrontal cortex isn't developed, like their impulse control is not there. And so your seven year old might cheat, but like doesn't even realize he's doing anything wrong yet until he gets caught. And he's like, oh, shoot, (laughs) because he doesn't have the brain capacity to say I shouldn't do that. His focus is on winning or getting what he wants. So really with a lot of kids and a lot of families, it's about opening that conversation, being very understanding as the parent, like, hey, dude, 
Like I noticed you've been cheating a lot. Like when we play games, like, can we talk about that? What's going on for you that kind of makes you feel like you have to cheat because, you know, and like my eight year old, like he's really struggling with like self-confidence as far as like his intelligence levels go. Like he's starting, he's in third grade. He's starting to recognize, like we've never made a big deal out of grades in our house and he's recognizing, I guess, like from other kids getting like mm-hmm. A's that he's not an A student and it's start like in certain cat, uh, subjects and it's really getting to him. So like that would be a really great example mm-hmm. of him wanting to cheat playing chess or a card game because he wants to feel smart or he doesn't feel like he will be able to beat because he's, you know, quote unquote, so stupid So he has to cheat in order to win, right? And losing stinks. Like nobody likes to lose. And so I think as far as the lying stuff goes, like you have to kind of tap into what's what's the emotion behind the behavior. And I say that all the time with all of our kids' negative behavior, we have to tap into the the emotion happening behind it. Um, So instead of shaming, or really disciplining without the lecture, not the lecture, the chance of explaining. It's really important for parents to sit down and be like, hey, I've noticed this a lot lately. It seems like you might be going through something. Like, can you tell me like what's going on in your day-to-day life? Like there might be someone at school being mean to your son. And so then he's reacting at home towards his brother that happens a lot too. Like there's things going on outside of the house and they take it out on the family. So that's something to look at as well. Um, but something we did with my eight-year-old was we came up with a code word mm. for any time that he, that I don't believe him. So I, I normalized lying. I let him know like normalized probably isn't the right word, but I let him know like you're not in trouble right now for lying but that is a reaction to something negative. So like, let me in with you so we can figure out what's going on because it's not okay to lie. I know a lot of people do it. So like a a discussion without the shame, but then also like, Hey buddy, like, I don't always trust that what you're saying is true about this, this, and this. So how about we come up with a code word and anytime that I'm feeling like, Hmm, do you want to rethink that answer? I will say the code word. And then that gives you the opportunity to tell me the truth and you won't get in any trouble. Um, and so we did. And his code word was Bob for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but my kids like love that name. Um, and so, yeah, I've called him out a couple of times and he's like kind of circled, like taken a minute and circled back and been like, you know what? yeah, mom, like that wasn't actually what happened, you know, and then we're able to have that conversation and he doesn't necessarily get in trouble, but we work through it together. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Anna Luisa for supporting this episode of the podcast. They have the most beautiful high quality jewelry that is affordable. I am telling you, This necklace I have been wearing every day, it's the Venta disc. It is just simple and beautiful and you can wear it with anything. And you know what? Their company is 100% carbon neutral. They are climate neutral certified, which is a really cool thing. 
They make every piece, including their packaging with the planet in mind, being earth conscious and taking responsibility for their impact on the planet is at the core of what they do. So not only are they committed to finding new sustainable paths to crafting their jewelry, they also make the most beautiful jewelry. I love their hoops. I have these tiny little hoops that I love so much. I've actually started wearing those every day instead of my just like diamond studs that I've had forever. So many great pieces over there and I highly recommend checking them out. They're just staples that go with anything. And then they also have some really fun pieces as well. The hoops I was talking about are called the mini huggy hoops. So cute. Uh, but they have some really fun pieces like the Hannah Marble Blue earrings as well, which those are super fun. I will post a picture of those as well. They're just beautiful. You all can save on Anna Luisa Jewelry when you go to shop.analuisa.com slash yelling. The code yelling will get you up to 40% off your order. Thank you so much, Anna Luisa, for treating our planet well. And also thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Tessa. Well, I, I do think, you know, as you're talking through this and I and I've, I've had a hunch that I think a little bit is his nature. I think a little bit is he's the second child in the middle, like sandwich, yeah. you know, the, the two middle ones with four. And I'm sure if you have three, it's your middle one. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like they sometimes feel like lost in the mix, right? Sure. Um, And I also do feel like he's been aging up and playing with Big Brother's friends for a long time. You you can't a seven year old can't compete with a nine year old physically, right? right? Like can't keep up. And it's so much physical play. Right. So it's like here's my here's my way I can win this. I think that he would be really responsive to the word thing. And like last night, for instance, um, when my husband. <laughs> finally got done working <laughs> at like 630. He mm-hmm. went, they went on a walk together. He was feeling, I could tell he was feeling like, where do I go? Yeah. The little two boys were playing together, which they play together pretty well. They're home a lot yeah. together. Like they get out of school at one and they play together. Yeah. And the older one was playing with the two twin brothers that are his age. Yeah. And so he yeah. was like, kind of lost. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really important and, and it was very intentional that my husband went on that walk with me. But I also think I don't always have to fix everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it, yes, I need to teach him not to lie, but like, I think for so long I and other parents probably have walked through this. Like you think, uh, why is my kid lying? You know, like why, you know, and, and why does he think he can do that to me of all people? Like, I, yeah. it's like the disrespect thing. Like, why do you think mm-hmm. you can talk to me that way? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to lie to me and you're not going to get away with it. Don't you dare even think about it kind of thing. And then it becomes like a power struggle. How do we um, balance that with like respect though? Right. Because because right. my husband always tells me like, you're a pushover. You're trying too hard to do this like positive parenting stuff. And like, uh-huh. they listen to me. They don't listen to you. Right. Like uh-huh. at bedtime, I'm screaming, get in your rooms. Because like for the yeah. 20th time, nobody has listened. And so I'm screaming. Yeah. And I just look at him and I'm like, you're going to have to tell him to get up there because nobody's listening to me. Oh, man. You sound just like me. Last night I was like, Joseph, <laughs> get up here. Nobody is listening to me. And sure enough, I mean, he stomped upstairs and he was like, boys, get in bed. And I'm like, that was it. That was it. I will tell you that scientifically it has been proven 
that boys mm. get desensitized to female voices. <laughs> Glenn's like, your voice gets higher and higher and pitched every time you yell. So like they, and I, you know, I say it's men, like it's all the male species, but all kids too, because I remember my mom walking in and talking to us and we're watching TV and we're blatantly ignoring. Oh yeah. Like completely like as if she didn't say a single thing and it would be where she had to get mad at us for us to get off our butts and do what she's asking. And that's exactly how it is with my kids. And it drives me crazy. Um, Cause I don't want to get mean. No, gosh, no. And every time I do, I'm like, why do I have to get like this for you guys to listen oh. to me? Do you like it when mommy gets mad? Totally. And like, no. And I'm like, then help me not get <laughs> What I was going to say, though, about back to lying and cheating and stuff is, so I am a middle child that lied a lot growing up. Like I was the kid 100% and I see it in my second son, too. Um, that did that. I cheated on things. I was sneaky and I would lie to my parents. And I did that as a kid all the way through high school. Um, and I remember my parents and I love my parents, like we are good now, but, um, I remember my parents being like, we just can't trust you. We can't trust anything that you say, anything that you do, like you have just ruined the trust a hundred percent with us. And I remember like really like that shame and that, that, Mm. um, like really horrible feeling of like, well, then why even try? Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Like, why would I even try to do good in school? Or why would I, um, tell you guys the truth if you're not even going to believe me anyway? Like, why not just get what I want then? And I'll just keep lying, which is not how we want our kids to feel. And that was not what my parents wanted me to feel either. You know, that was an unintentional thing that happened. So what I told my eight-year-old, and this is obviously, again, case-by-case situation. I told my eight-year-old, I go, hey, buddy, like, as an ex-lying kid, Mm -hmm. I can tell what you're doing, and I know that it can be really hurtful sometimes, and it feels like it makes sense to you to just go ahead and lie about it, Um, but I can see that, and I want you to know that there's so many ways that you are wonderful. And I can trust you Mm. to like my eight-year-old, he keeps his room clean, like to the T all the time. If I ask the boys to go clean their rooms, I don't have to worry about him. He will have it organized and clean. And so I really wanted to focus on highlighting his positive things and what I can trust him to do. So I may not trust him. If I have a big bowl of candy out, (laughs) I do not trust that kid to not sneak candy. I don't trust any of my kids. No, no. Um, do I trust when one of his brothers comes crying to me that they got hit and my son is telling me he didn't do it? Don't really trust that one. <laughs> but do I trust him in other areas? He is like the king of getting his homework done. Never have to ask him to do that. He is the king, like I said, of organizing his room <clears throat> and keeping things tidy. Um, and he tells me the truth about things with his teacher and things with friends. So there's areas where I can trust him. So I don't distrust him 100%. There's only certain areas. So what I tell parents is to really highlight the positive attributes and things that you do trust from your child so that they don't feel like what's the point. 
so that they don't feel like they're just a complete failure and a menace to your family because they're not, you know, um, right now I have a client, she's 13 and she kind of got in with a, a rough crowd and, and not a great guy. And, uh, so she's been sneaking to go meet up with this guy and the parents are like, we can't trust you. We cannot trust you. And I said, hold up, let's figure out the areas that we can trust her. She's an A student. She's an amazing athlete. She's got great friends. She loves to like have family time. So there are areas that we can trust about her. It's just this one other area that we can't, that we have to make, be a little extra careful about. Um, so I think that's really important too, when talking to our kids about lying. Well, and like right now the, the lies are so harmless. Right. But like, it's kind it's terrifying when you get into like teenage years. Yeah. Teenage years is when like, that's the scary stuff. Right. I guess probably the thinking is like, I need to nip this in the butt now. Because like it's going to get worse and build on on itself. So, I mean, I think those are really great strategies that you talked us through. Yeah. And I think also just like learning not to take it personally, like you were yeah. saying, like, how dare you disrespect me by lying to me? But like, really, it's not about you. And they're not like personally like, I'm going to lie to my mom and like hurt her feelings. Like that's not what it's about at all. Uh, this is going off on a tangent just a little bit, but I was, do you follow the Instagram page? Um, I think it's big little feelings there. I do, but I don't think that like the algorithm shows them up strong. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, well they were just sharing, um, recently one of their posts was sharing about how like, um, and it's really important post, but it just kind of made me feel like, Oh, one more thing I know I've done wrong. Um, which is why, by the way, I want to encourage listeners, like if there are accounts like that, that are like constantly telling you all the things you need to do, um, and you just feel like you keep failing or like not doing it perfectly, like unfollow those accounts just for your mental health. Yeah. Um, I I strongly agree with that. There's like a balance, right? Like there is. And that's what I want this podcast to be like. I want people to be away, able to walk away with some tangible advice that, that they can like walk into situations with their kids and be like, okay, maybe I'll yeah. try to tackle it this way and maybe it'll work. Maybe yeah. it won't, but I have something to try. Yeah. Um, feeling a little bit more of the motivation rather than like the shame of like, I stink as a parent. Like, yeah, know? maybe I should think about it this way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the post was about how like when your kid does something bad, like you're not supposed to tell them they hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> because it's mm-hmm. like they're not in control of your emotions and to put that burden mm-hmm. on a kid is heavy. And I mean, yeah. I'm just going to admit it right here. I've done it. Yeah. Like when my nine-year-old screams at me, I'll be like, that really hurts my feelings when you talk to me like that. And so when I read that post, I'm like, but that was a human thing for me to say to him. What are your thoughts on that? that? I think there's a time and place for that. Okay. So like, so like your child cheating on a game And then saying that hurts my feelings that you're trying to sneak one past me. That's not really the time and place for that. But like if my child says something hurtful to me or is talking to me with a tone that like really hurts my heart, like that's what I say. Like this hurts my heart the way you're talking to Mm. me right now. That is okay to say. That's teaching conflict resolution within a relationship, right? Yeah. And like teaching strong boundaries, healthy boundaries within a relationship. And like, we need to model that with our kids relationships so that they can go on and have healthy relationships in their life. So letting them know like that, when you scream at me like that and say some of those words, it really hurts my feelings 
do you think that we could talk about that so that that's not exactly how we communicate next time? You know, I mean, that's what we do with our spouses, right? Like yeah. if my husband says something that hurts my feelings, I let him know and no, he's not in control of my emotions. I am, but I'm also, it's my job to set those boundaries and to communicate what's hurtful to me. And it's important to do that with our kids. Too. At what age do you think that that becomes appropriate? Because like when a three-year-old's having a temper tantrum hitting you, that's a different story. But like right. my nine nine-year-old, he knows that yelling at people is mean. Yeah. Or whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's actually like, sure. Like, and even when, okay, like I'm getting ahead of myself. This is what I always do. Um, like even when they are little, like Mm. two or three years old and they are doing things, it's okay to say like, that's not okay. That hurts mommy's heart. Right. Um, but actually trying not to take it too personally because they are only two or three years old. Then as they get older, like reminding them of those things, like that's okay. Like I think it's totally okay for you to say that to your nine-year-old because – and I say this to my clients that have teenage kids too, like try try not to take it so personally when they roll their eyes or Mm -hmm. they don't want to talk to you or they just want to go to your room or their room. Like try really hard not to take it personally. But also with that said, you need to set boundaries so that you are – you are – having a respectful relationship mutually. So like I will respect my child and I need them to respect me as well. And so if your child is speaking to you in a tone or in a way that you're not okay with, it's okay to bring that up. But I always say like, don't do it in the middle of conflict, wait Mm -hmm. for the storm to pass. And then when you're having that conversation of like, hey, buddy, like what's going on with you? The way you reacted because I asked you to bring me your lunchbox was really not how you normally react. Like, can we talk about it? And then you say, and kind of the way you talk to me kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. I didn't really appreciate that. Do you think that next time when you're feeling that much frustration or you're feeling that upset, we do this instead, you know, and come up with more of a plan? I like – It's just so crazy as the years have gone on. I wish I had heard conversations like this when my youngest was like two or three because Uh I remember feeling like, I mean, he would just kick me and hit me and be so out of control. And I would think, yeah, who does he think he is? Like, I just like, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And I just had no idea. You don't know what you don't know. And, and now when my younger ones with their temper tantrums, the, the younger two, I just, you just kind of just let it be a little bit like kids. Yeah. Kids have temper tantrums. Step away. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't know, you know. I know. We really just don't know. That's kind of circling back to the very beginning of this conversation. It's like we're doing the best we can with the information that we have and that we've been given or we have sought out. Like really and truly, I do believe that, 95% of parents are doing the best that they can. And that's all we can do really and truly. And we have to give ourselves a little bit of mercy on that, you know. Hello, everybody. A quick break here to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? And I love having conversations with people over there and diving into these conversations on the podcast more. So when you just go to groups on Facebook, you can find us called, we're called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Um, And we'd love to connect with you deeper on Instagram as well. Our Instagram is Why Is Everyone Yelling? You can also find me personally, your host on Instagram. My Instagram is lindsayhine626. 
All right, friends, back to my conversation with Tessa. Um, okay, so the next topic that we'll cover is is the coping skills with the emotions. Yeah. And just we'll start with an example because I think that that gives something for everybody to relate to. Um, my oldest is a little more hot-tempered than everybody else, all my other kids, probably one in three. Uh-huh. And um, just goes off the rails, screams and, you know, all the things that feel very inappropriate. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways. And I, I say things like, hey, if you're feeling angry, that's okay. Yeah. Go outside and run around. Right. Am I successful at that? No. But I yeah. suggest it. <laughs> and so right. I'm just trying to figure out things I could do to help uh-huh. him, A, understand that, it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel yes. sad. All those things. And you'll right. catch yourself. Like I, I caught my husband the other day saying, why are you so angry? Mm-hmm. And I and I stepped in and I was like, hey, dude, it's yeah. okay that he's angry. Yeah. It's not yep. okay how he's acting. Right. Which is kind of like, oh, I don't undermine him in front of the kids. Whatever. Thing. I know. Do what do we do? That, right? But, but I, ca- I, I, it's almost like you're when when that happens, you're like a listener on the wall because he was addressing the situation. Yeah. But I was thinking, yeah. ooh, don't say that. Don't say that. You know, yeah. um, because I do yeah. want him to know it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. All the things. Yeah. I will say that's one of the hardest parts of being a therapist and letting my husband handle certain situations. <laughs> is like stepping back. I've done the same thing too, though, where I step in, I go, hold up. He's allowed to be angry right now. Right. This situation, he's allowed to be mad. And my husband that every time my husband's like, no, you're right. You're right. So like, luckily my husband and I are on the same page with that. But so with any behavioral issue with our kid, again, I'm going to repeat this. It's really important to not like really try to handle the problem in the middle of the problem. Yeah. And that happens a lot, right? Where we're like, Oh shoot, he's having another tantrum. Well, I'm being reminded that this is a problem. So now sounds like a great time for us to talk about it. It's actually the worst. <laughs> um, so what I tell parents is like whatever behavioral issue we have going on that you want to be worked on, um, there's a couple things to be mindful of. Like, what are your parenting goals with this child? And I talk about the parenting philosophy, like when you when you leave your kids or drop them off at their dorm when they're in college, like what are you going to look back and be like, you know, it's been a, it's been a ride, but at least my child is a kind person or at least my child has integrity or at least my child is motivated and has ambition. Like kind of focusing on those two or three core values that you really, really want to instill in your kids and then bring that into every behavioral situation, every life lesson that you want to teach them. That being said, so you have to kind of figure that out for you. And then I always encourage the husband to have his own list too. And it's okay if you guys do not have the same goals necessarily. Mm-hmm. I keep mine very simple. Like I want my kids to be safe and alive. Like that's a big one for me. Um, but anyways, that's a whole different thing. But that's kind of a good starting point for parents. And then the next thing is something I call PRPR which is not a creative name whatsoever. I never was able to find a creative name, but it's (laughs) it's prepare, remind, praise, and then repeat. So prepare by having that conversation like, hey, buddy, I've noticed that when you get angry, this is how you act. You're absolutely allowed to be angry. I get angry sometimes, but we need to figure out what you can do 
in those moments that are okay to do because some of the things that you're doing to express that anger is not okay. Like you're not allowed to punch a hole in the wall. You're not allowed to hit your brother. You're not allowed to slam the door, whatever, whatever your family feels or whatever he's doing that you're not okay with, you know? Um, and then you talk about coping skills. So these are some of the things that let's figure out what you can do that will make you feel a little bit better. That will help you self soothe. And when it comes to anger, that's a little different. So I have my clients answer these three questions. What do you like to do for fun? Mm -hmm. And they have to make three to five answers. And I prefer to not have screens involved. <laughs> what do you like to do for fun? So like, this is good for any age group, but especially for kids. Like, do you like to go ride your bike? Do you like to jump on the trampoline? Do you like to read a book? Do you like to do a puzzle? Then the next one is, what do you like to do to relax? So that's like a bubble bath, listen to music, you know, that sort of thing, stretch or whatever. Um, and then the last one is what can you do when you're really angry that will feel good, but be safe. Mm. So like my second son, he struggles with anger as well. And his are to throw his stuffed animals onto his bed. So he'll go to his room and he does slam his door, which I really dislike, but it's something that I've allowed. Yeah. It's like what, when some things you're just like, that. it just is what it is. It's like a battle. I'm not yeah. going to fight right now. Now, if he, was causing destruction every time he slammed the door, right? Like if picture frames were falling off the wall and that sort of thing, then we'd be having a discussion about him slamming. And we might in the future. He's only eight. So when he's that 14. slam will get harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it it really triggers me when he slams the door. But that's me. That's my, like I have to self-regulate when he slams the door. I know he's that mad. But we discovered that if he throws his stuffed animals or pillows like against the wall or onto his bed, that really helps him get that aggression and anger out. And another thing is like screaming into a pillow. Another thing for him is to draw or write whatever he wants or even like scribbling on a paper is really good. For older kids, it's like hitting a punching bag or going for a quick run or um, anything that they can do alone that gets a little bit of that aggression out that's safe. So that's really important too because the older kids they don't always cope in a safe way when they're angry and so it's important to teach our kids how to do that starting at a young age so what do you like to do for fun what do you like to do to relax and what do you like to do that's when you're angry that makes you feel better um and sometimes when they're angry so when you're having that prep conversation you have him fill out those three questions and then sometimes when they're angry they need the relax an option from the relax relaxing list, right? Or they need to go jump on the trampoline. And so having those lists is really good because then he can kind of choose from that. So then the next step is R for remind. So mom, when like our kids are not built to self-regulate all their emotions, right? Like they learn as a baby to suck their pacifier or to suck their thumb to self-soothe. But beyond that, there's not a lot that they can just take on naturally. So it's our job to teach them that. But that starts with us teaching them self-awareness. So like what are the signs that mom hears or can see happening that will like means that he's about to get set off, right? Like I know my eight-year-old makes specific sounds when he's getting really frustrated, like I can hear it in his tone. Oh, I can't stand the sounds. The level of <laughs> volume that he gets, to, like he's starting to get to. I can tell when he's in a bad mood. Like 
for my eight year old, like one of his coping skills, this isn't always healthy for everyone, but it's for me to be like, how much have you eaten today? Like, when's the last time you ate? So one of his to regulate his anger, it's like, he needs a snack. And by golly, he could be on those. Is it Twix or Snickers commercials? Where uh-huh. it's like, where it's like you get a little bit angry when you are hungry. Uh-huh. My kid, I mean, you want to talk about hangry, it's beyond. So like when he gets mad now, I just simply ask like, hey, buddy, let's get some crackers. When's the last time you ate? And he'll be like, I don't want to eat. Yep. This isn't about eating. I don't want to eat. And I'm like, I want to hear everything you have to say, but we're going to do it sitting at the table yeah. eating, you know? It's a miracle um, what food will do sometimes. It's like, no, oh my it's- gosh, that was it. I know that was it. So, um, okay. So remind means that you as mom pick up on some of those triggers and warning signs, and then you bring it to his attention before he hits Mm -hmm. the explosion. So for my, and again, I'm really big on code words. So for my son there, it was like a code word of, and I don't even remember because I haven't had to, what was it? It might've been like pineapple or something silly. Um, and it was, you know, anytime I heard him, I like, it started with me going up, 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 like buddy. And he was like, would smile and look at me and take a deep breath and then walk away. But then it turned into like a code word. So we had a code word thing, which is really good for kids. Cause they feel like they're in this like secret uh-huh. thing. With you. So it's like a good bond and you're working as a team. Like I'm here to support you. I'm not here to lecture you or tell you what you're not allowed to do. I'm here to like remind you like, hey, buddy, this is one of those times that we were talking about last night or yesterday or the other day. So you remind, remind, remind. And then he goes and follows his coping skills list. And then at the end of the day, you praise. So even if it wasn't like monumental progress, you still praise. Mm-hmm. And especially if nothing bad happened. So like even if it's regular, normal behavior that is expected of our kids, he still didn't have a blow up today. So it's important to praise that. And then the last R is repeat. So sometimes in the praising portion, you kind of have to say like, how was today? Or how did, you know, going for a bike ride help you? Oh, it didn't. Okay. So maybe tomorrow, if you get upset, you should try this instead. So it's kind of, um, in the praise section, you're kind of repeating the prep section and then you do the whole thing over again. And it's kind of like potty training. You're like, (laughs) training and rewiring their brain so that it becomes habitual and part of their self-regulation ritual. And like, you will find that you don't have to be as self-aware for them anymore or do the reminding as much anymore. And all of a sudden they're doing it on their own. Not to say that they'll never have a blow up again, but it becomes more minimized. I do like the comparison to potty training and we'll, we'll pause to just everybody just celebrate really quick. Cause we finally got through it with our last kid. Woo! <laughs> oh my now gosh. Have to, get to the point where everyone can wipe their own butt. I know you know? it's so gross. We're, yeah. I'm, we're down, we're down to just him. I mean, my, my yeah. five-year-old started doing that way younger than the older two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah. he was pretty, he was three and a half. It just, he just didn't mm-hmm. want to do it. And he, we finally yeah. got it done. It feels so good. Yeah, oh my gosh. It's a good feeling. It really is. Um, yeah. I had, oh, okay. So I guess we'll just wrap up with, I'm wondering you're, you're a working mom mm-hmm. and you're busy. Your kids mm-hmm. are at school. I'm sure they have activities, all the things. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, how do we navigate like not overthinking all this parenting, but like using the resources, but also just like going by our instincts. You know, it's like there's just so much information out there and I'm contributing to that. I mean, that was one of my biggest things with this podcast is like, I don't just want to be noise. I want to be helpful. I want to provide community, but also like the noise. Like I don't want to be like, do this, this, and this. Yeah. So I'm just curious, you know, you have a full life outside of your children. How, how do you navigate that? So I'm going to be honest and it's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm constantly making an effort for that one. And it's kind of, it's some days it's really hard and other days, like I'm able to feel very balanced. Um, but I think that kind of, kind of going back to like my parenting philosophy thing where you come up with two or three like core values, like what is the most important to you with your kids? And if you don't have it in you to go research what scientists and therapists and what all they say, then go with your gut and go with your parenting philosophy and what's the most important you and your kids. Like once you have that foundation, then you can base all the problems around that and build from there. And if you really, really are stumped, reach out and ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help Um, or read the books or see what other people have done that's worked for them or listen to these kind of podcasts, you know, Um, but it can get really overwhelming really fast. And I think I feel that really big in my industry, in the mental health field. Um, and I have to really check myself because I do not, as parents, we are all fearful. It's the most scariest job in the world. Um, and so a lot of times we react to things with like a fear based mindset. And I talk a lot about that in my book and I don't want to be that. I don't want to live my lifestyle just out of fear. And it's really hard for me to separate that sometimes with what I'm seeing in my office Mm. and then coming home, you know, my heart literally feels heavy at the end of the day sometimes. And I'm like, okay, I have to leave that at work. And like my kids are separate from everything I'm hearing at work, but then there might be something that resonates with, with me and my family. And I, I kind of perk up a little bit more to that. But I think that once you figure out like what's important to you and your husband and your family foundation, then you can base all the things on that rather than feeling overwhelmed with all the shouldas, coulda, wouldas that are out there in the world, you know? And I think we're all getting way more overwhelmed, overwhelmed than ever before because of good old social media. And you know how I feel about that, but (laughs) it's like, it's so hard to keep up. It's so hard to not look at some of the stuff and get scared. It's so hard not compare yourself to more, you know, to other moms and to other kids and other families. It's just hard. It's hard. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a little thing like I would love to sit down and have dinner with the six of us most nights, but yeah. like most nights, everybody's mm-hmm. kind of like eating and staggered at the kitchen counter. Like I'm looking at your kitchen counter right now. Like I love the That's idea of exactly everybody. Yeah. Like I want to sit at the table, but you know what? And I know there's been research done that like you sit together as a family and it's, um, you know, there's all this research that says like, like longevity, you know, the, the yeah. effects are yeah. last a long time. I saying this weird, but anyway, um, no, yeah. I was saying this to my husband yesterday and I'm like, 
I want to sit down as a family, but it's just so much crazier when we do. And by the time I get everything out on the table, everybody's running circles and it's just never pleasant. So you're like, so we just sit it. Usually kids come at the bar, like staggered in. And then my husband and I sit there together and eat. And he's like, they're still really little. And I'm like, they're not that little, but I just have decided they are though Lindsay they are still really <laughs> little but also the whole sorry I'll let you finish no I was just gonna say I've decided that like for now this is more peaceful for our family so this is what we're gonna do same I mean you just described our <laughs> weekly nightly dinners to a tea and usually my husband's not home yet from yeah. work so like it's me doing dishes while they're all eating mm-hmm. I'm like, sit back down. Or why are you going? Why are you running around over there? Sit down and eat your food. You know, it's not a pleasant, exactly a pleasant time. But I will say that that whole thing about people saying that you need to have dinner together, that's great. But the whole concept is so that you have a chance to catch up with Mm. each other and connect. So if you prioritize connection in your family in other ways, you're fine. Like I know a family, they have breakfast together every morning, Mm. which I cannot like (laughs) fathom how that's possible. But every morning they have breakfast together, like all the the dad, the mom, everyone sit down breakfast and that's their time together as opposed to dinner. So really and truly like that whole y'all need to prioritize family dinners. That's a little bit outdated. And really and truly, I mean, family dinners are good. Don't get me wrong. But same thing. Whenever we do family dinners, it's just chaotic. Oh, it's a mess. And it's like, and then I finally get to sit down and it's like quiet. And I'm like, okay, let's spark up a conversation, guys. (laughs) What's been going on? And then my husband starts yelling, like, again, like, why are you standing up? Sit down, you know, and eat your food. And somebody doesn't like it and is gagging. You know what I mean? And it's just like, oh my gosh, this is not like good quality time, but we have good quality time at other times of the day. And so, um, the most recent research says to spend at least nine minutes, which is is a weird number, but nine minutes a day, one-on-one with your child. And that is like, you can break it up into three moments of three minutes. Okay. Like three minutes in the morning, three minutes in the afternoon, three minutes at in the evening. But that's the most recent research saying that they used to say 15 to 20 minutes with each kid, which that, I that adds up a lot when you have four I kids. Not do that. Yeah. Um, but I do for us, it's like bedtime. Like I yeah. try to spend time with each of them when I'm putting them to bed. And then we really prioritize family time wherever we can get it, like on the weekends and during the day and stuff like that. So don't don't give yourself too much pressure about dinner. You're good. Listen, we could do the breakfast here with this 9 a.m. school start. Yeah. Time. I know it's a lot of people are like rushing out. Nine. It's crazy. I know a lot of people are rushing out the door at like 7, 7.30 to Literally, like drop seven. off a daycare and all the things. Seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have these like long and sometimes the mornings I'm like, that was pleasant. That was great. Sometimes mornings like today when I like flee the house to go to Target, yeah. I was like, this is an emotional roller coaster that lasts two and a half hours every single morning. <laughs> yeah, so I'm late. glad that my kids go early because it's, you know, they get out of bed at like 6.20 and we're out the door at 7. And Man, that's early. We would struggle with that. No, I bet you could get used to it. I'm thinking like an 8 a.m. start time, leave the house at 7.45 would be perfect. Well, you live right across the street. So they start at 8, but we live 
quite far and they ride the bus. So okay. they get on the bus at 7.05. I wave goodbye. See you later. Um, and I have a little bit of time to myself before I go to work. Okay. So. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, you're sending them off on the bus. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Tessa. Well, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh my goodness. Well, okay. So I was just telling a client this, like I have to really balance what I'm watching, what I'm hearing and what I'm reading. So for the past, gosh, seven years, I've really dove deep into mental health and self-care books, self-help books. Um, and I'm kind of over it right now. Yeah, so yeah. speaking of that, right? So I've been really getting into um, like novels and like romance novels. But the one I just finished was called The Silent Patient, which – I guess does have a little bit to do with mental health because it is about a girl that won't speak, but, um, but it was a really good, it was kind of like a mystery type thing. So I like mysteries and I like romance. I've been reading a lot of Christina Lauren. Do you know who she Uh -uh. is? Okay. So she writes like really lighthearted romance novels that I just love them. Like I just love to sit and curl up and read something lighthearted that I don't have to think too deep about. (laughs) Christina Lauren. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I read The Silent Patient like at uh-huh. the very beginning of the pandemic mm-hmm. when nobody knew what was going on. And we were like down at my parents' house because the kitchen, our kitchen was getting renovated and we didn't uh-huh. have a kitchen, all the things. Uh-huh. Um, and I would read it in their sauna like every day. So that's, yeah, that's, that's another always one I remind me of that time. read was Behind Closed Doors. Have you read that? Oh, I think I have. Is it like the couple and they are at their neighbor's house? Or no, no, that's the neighbor next, the door. next door. The couple next door. And I read that one too. Okay. <laughs> no, behind closed doors is is interesting. Is that that's the same author? Like, no. Okay. But if you liked couple next door, you'll like behind closed doors. Okay, so then I have a suggestion for you okay. based on those. Have you read the last thing he told me? No. But okay, that's a good one. I'll I'll order it right now. Yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. That's a suspenseful one too, but not like a scary suspenseful. It's no, like yeah, I can't do scary, scary or too dark and heavy, but I do like entertainment yeah. in that way. It's a popular one um right now. I'm ordering it right now. <laughs> I need a, I need a I need a new book. Okay, I have a TV suggestion too while we're talking. Okay. Have you watched The Righteous Gemstones? So my husband loves that show and I have not had a chance to watch it. Is it good? It's is it funny? Hilarious. Okay, I'll have to watch it. I've been watching Euphoria, which is not funny. Okay. It's extremely dark and heavy and it's all the teenagers are watching right now. And that's why I'm watching oh, it. Oh, okay. It is, it, is, um, it is hard on the mom heart for sure. But I'm almost done with it. And so I'm going to do something to balance that out. So I'll watch the Righteous Gems. Do it. Do it. Um, All right, Tessa. Well, I have enjoyed catching up with you. And I just appreciate you taking the time out of your day off, your one day off to to talk (laughs) with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. And anytime you want me back, I'm ready. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Tessa, for being amazing and coming on the show again. You all go pick up her book. It's called For the Sake of Our Youth. If you didn't listen to my first episode with Tessa, go do that. It is episode 32 and we talk about cultural influences on our teens in that episode. I really hope you found something helpful in this conversation today. That is my heart behind this work that 
you find something that'll be helpful, that you find some sort of encouragement and some sort of comfort and support. I'm always here for you. Our Facebook group is called Why Is Everyone Yelling? You can connect with me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626 over there. And this podcast is just Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram as well. So join us over there and uh, we will see you next week on the podcast. Have a great rest of your week, friends. Thanks so much for being here.